Angela once said, Courage is the most important of all the virtues, because without courage, you can't practice any other virtue consistently. Welcome to Building Grit, one call at a time. Every human being will be faced with a massive challenge. How you deal with problems is based on grit, determination, perseverance, and will. On this show, we talk to people who face challenges and how they dealt with them. This is Building Grit, one call at a time. And this is your host, Nick Wingo. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Building Grit, one call at a time. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. I am super stoked to be introducing my next guest this week. This guy, he is a force to be reckoned with in the fitness industry. He is changing lives at a high pace. His fitness group, Pop Nutrition, is just killing it. He is just a very smart individual that has got a ton of knowledge, and I am excited to introduce Mike Milner. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing well. Thanks for the intro. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely, man. I've been with Pop for, I don't know, roughly six months now, and when I started with you guys, I was at a point in my life where I was not happy with my fitness, and that has completely changed over the past six months. Uh, Stuff is, I mean, corona has been difficult in a lot of areas for a lot of people. However, for me, it drove me to drive myself into a higher and better place. Yeah, it's been interesting to see that kind of there's been certain group of people who have who viewed this as like an opportunity. And it's like, well, now that it's kind of right in front of our face that health and fitness is kind of important. A lot of people are taking that upon themselves to do exactly what you did, which is, all right, I'm not going to I'm not going to wait any longer. I'm going to take action and and you know, take control of my own destiny and and there's other people unfortunately who have kind of gone in the opposite direction and I think it's just you know people respond to stress in different manners so um, this is not coming from a place of judgment this is just an observation there's some people that look at it as well there's all this environmental stress situational stress so I'm going to kind of hide out in in the corner here and just wait till all of this passes and what I try to do is put the message out there that there's there's no such thing as a perfect time to get started or to do anything or to take control of an area of your life that you know you want to improve, you know, that's really just trying to, to spread that information and, and use you as an example because I've watched your journey and it's been amazing to see, you know, you kind of took it and ran with it like right off the bat. So just using examples like yourself to help educate people on what they can do right now and, and how to take action. Right. Absolutely. And I think that often when you get in that space where you're so held down and you're so negative on yourself and you're hard on yourself, it's really hard to get out of that. You know, it's like our minds, we create ruts. We get these ruts in our minds. Like the best example is a motorcycle. You rut into the dirt bike ruts and ruts and ruts. And so it's easy just to go through that same rut. It's difficult to pull the dirt bike up out of the rut. It can be done. It just takes work. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm a total psychology nerd. So I always kind of relate things back to what's going on in the, in the brain. And I think that sometimes when you conceptualize it, it helps people understand what's really happening. And it's this negative feedback loop that exists, which means that our, our thoughts and, and feelings impact our emotions, which impact our decisions, which then 
go back around and impact our thoughts and feelings. And this negative cycle continues. So an example would be if I'm feeling down about myself and I have I don't have a lot of confidence and I have some self-limiting beliefs, well, that's going to impact my emotional state. And then where I'm going to make a decision based off of that emotional state. Well, I'm feeling, you know, kind of crappy. So maybe I'm going to grab some, you know, some shitty food and I'm going to try to, you know, fill a void with with alcohol or or drugs or whatever the case may be for for anybody, you know, who has a different vice that they go to. At that point, then I'm going to feel bad about what I just did. So now the the feedback loop continues. And this, you know, is something in uh, psychology where cognitive behavior therapy is, is big on just trying to challenge some of those thoughts and beliefs so that you don't just fall into that pattern and believe everything that you think to be 100% fact. So if I'm feeling like, well, I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy, uh, is that really based in truth or is that just something that my brain is communicating? How can I interrupt that pattern and how can I create a different reality, which therefore will you know, change the behaviors and actions? We can create that cycle in the opposite direction where I do, you know, I have a thought and belief that's more positive and uplifting, which then changes my emotional state for the better, which then changes my actions and behaviors for the better. And now we've got a positive feedback loop going. So it's, you know, we all go through the negative feedback loop. It's, it's part of being a human. It's a matter of awareness around it and then having some strategies to overcome that. You can exit that feedback loop at any point in time. One example would be that just because I'm feeling down and I'm in an emotional state that's more negative, that doesn't mean that I have to take an action that's congruent with that negative emotional state. So even if I'm feeling like, yeah, you know what, I'm, I don't feel like working out today, that doesn't mean that my action has to be to not work out. I can still get a session in and you know, really force myself to take that action, which then the positive effect of that workout, it's going to change that entire feedback loop. So I know I have the tendency to go off on little like tangents because I love uh, to talk about like how the human <laughs> brain works in psychology, but that's- oh, really no, I love it. On. I love it, man. And you know, it, it, for me, I know, I think that a lot of people, what they think is that they have to make this huge change. And that's just not the way it works. You're not going to get this huge change instantly. It's got to be that one degree. And as you slowly pull yourself out of that negativity and you start to see the positivity, then you start to attract that, right? And so, so many people think that, oh, I have to make this huge, like with your weight. That's why people fail because they think they have to lose 50 pounds right now. And that's just not the truth. Same thing with whatever you have going on in your life. If you have your finances are messed up or whatever it may be, it doesn't have to be this huge thing. It's just got to be that one degree over time. And then it happens. It, it, you know, and lots of times you don't even realize when it happens and you look back and you go, oh shit, like it's changed. That's crazy, right? Yeah, that's exactly how it works. And one of the things that we talk about a lot in the uh, pop community is the concept of compound interest. And it's like, you know, it might not seem like much at the time, you know, when you do these one degree, 1% changes, when you zoom out and you look at, you know, compound interest over a year, over five years, over 10 years, then you see it's like a hockey stick, you know, in the beginning, it didn't feel like much was happening. But all of a sudden, those little wins, those little behavior changes, those 1% differences, they they make a huge, huge difference. Another example that I've heard is in the uh, book Atomic Habits by James Clear, he talks about the ice cube uh, effect, which is, you know, if you're, if you have an ice cube, in a room and it's you know zero degrees and then you change the temperature to one degree and then two degrees and then three you're not going to see any difference the ice cube remains you know an ice cube all the way up to 31 yep. degrees and then there's that one degree difference that all of a sudden the ice cube melts it wasn't the fact that that one degree was the difference maker it was everything leading up to that all those small changes over time so i i couldn't agree more man i love that book it's been a that, that book when i read that book i was like 
mind blown. Yeah. Like, holy cow, man, this dude has got legit smarts. You know, so in this podcast, my big thing is, is that it took a long time for you to get where you are. And so what I like to do is I like to get down to the raw and real of like, what's the story? How did you get to where you are? Because so often people see Mike Milner or they see Nick Wingo and they're like, they see this, this dude, like as people are starting to follow me right now, they see this dude who is very fit, who is starting to have a very regimented thing. You know, I have all this stuff that's going good for me, but it was not always like that. So let's talk a little bit about your journey. So people just know that, Hey, they're not alone. And that's the biggest thing I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get people to realize that these people who are high level performers, they may not have always been, or likely were not always high level performance. Like we all start at the ground level and we have to work up. So tell me a little bit about where you started. Yeah. So I definitely have been through all ends of the spectrum when it comes to my journey. Uh, I, I grew up playing sports. I was an athlete and I uh, never really had to worry about, you know, fitness or nutrition or anything like that. I was, you know, just, I could pretty much eat what I wanted and I was so active, always playing sports that it didn't matter. And then went to college and, and picked up some, some bad habits, but I was still, I was playing sports every day. So even with all the drinking that happened in college and just eating like an asshole, uh, it didn't catch up in uh, until after I graduated when uh, I no longer had organized sports in my life, but I kept those habits that I picked up. So I was still drinking, I was still eating like an asshole, but I didn't have the activity in my life. What felt like overnight, although it didn't happen overnight, but one day I, I looked at myself in the mirror, I literally didn't recognize myself. And I was up to about 250 pounds at that point. And the real challenging part for me was that my entire social life was built around sports. So I no longer had the thing that connected me to people and I no longer felt like I belonged because here I am, I'm 250 and I had, and I didn't even know if I could, you know, step foot on a basketball court again. And I, and I didn't want to see any of my friends from back home because I didn't want to get questions about what happened to you. Like, how did you, how did this happen? That's how you identified yourself at up to that point. You were identified by that and your identity was changing. Exactly. Completely. So, you know, I was just riddled with insecurities. Um, I didn't want to go home and see family. I just didn't want to, I didn't want to answer the questions of, of how. And that led me to a pretty dark place of my thought process was kind of what we talked about, about, you know, trying to, to lose all the weight at once. I was like, well, the solution is I just need to get this weight off as fast as humanly possible. And then I'll fit in again, right? I'll get that identity back. And originally it was like, I just want to be able to go step foot on a basketball court with my friends and not feel like I don't belong. And especially for somebody, you know, I'm, I'm competitive. So not being able to like compete at a high level was, was a difficult thing to, to face. So I started doing everything the wrong way. I started doing hours of cardio, restricting my calories, talking like 1200 calories a day for like a 250 pound man at the time. And I just was like, I'm, I'm going to do this no matter what. And that led me down a path of chronic dieting. And uh, I would, you know, I, I thought this magic number was I needed to get below 200 pounds and I would get there and then I would gain the weight back and I would do it again. And, you know, I'm talking about years of just rinse and repeat, restrict and binge. And it led me to have a disordered relationship with food, a disordered relationship with my body. And I really was just lost and confused. And it felt like the more information that I was consuming, the more I'll say like cloudy that the truth became. Like I didn't really know what was, what was what was truth at that point. One of the biggest breakthroughs for me 
was finding strength training, which again, just, I, it was something that, uh, I thought that I had to do cardio. That was like, just my assumption was I'm just going to, you know, jump on a cardio machine for two hours a day and that's going to be my workout. So do you think the whole thing behind the wanting to do cardio all the time, what drove that? Was that what you were seeing? Was somebody telling you that? Or what was it that you felt like that was the only thing you could do to to get where you wanted to be. Yeah, I just didn't have the the knowledge at the time. I was just naive and it was just probably a little bit of like messaging from, you know, diet culture and what I was seeing on TV or, you know, at some point that information seeped into my head and I don't know why it was just that was the assumption was uh, you know, I actually remember seeing an ad for like this cardio machine that was like a combination treadmill stair climber and it was like you're going to burn 10 times more calories as you would on a traditional treadmill and I'm like perfect that's what i need like that it just you know i was in a mm. place where i didn't i just wanted to to get results as fast as possible and i didn't know what the best method was so a lot of the things when what i've gone through is learning the hard way and learning from experience and i look at it as a lot of my journey was learning what doesn't work and then having to adjust and and pivot from there so i found strength training kind of just by by luck, I moved to a different area and was looking for a gym and found like a Groupon special for this gym that was like offering a deal. And I, I walked in the door and I, I almost turned around because I, you know, it's a small privately owned gym and there's like this fit dude who's like doing his warm up, and then there's this like super fit woman who's like doing her thing, and I'm like, man, I don't belong in here. So intimidating. Uh, it was, like, oh was, shit. Exactly. <laughs> Fortunately, you know, one of the things is that your wants have to be greater than your excuses. And at that moment, it was like, my excuse was I don't belong here. But I was like, if I don't walk in this door, I'm not going to get to where I want to be. So I don't have a choice. Like all of a sudden, there was no choice to be made. So fortunately, I, I stepped in there and finding strength training was the first like big shift in my mindset where it came from a place of empowerment versus hating myself, like wanting to change because I'm not good enough. And, you know, doing cardio, which I was miserable doing was like punishment for me. I didn't enjoy it at all. Now, all of a sudden, I could go and lift weights and see my body change and, and I could have tangible progress as far as like how many pushups I could do, how much, you know, weight I could lift, yep. how many, you know, I'm, I'm using heavier dumbbells. All of a sudden it's like this empowering feeling of getting stronger. And that was like the first thing. Unfortunately, the nutrition side of things was still a big struggle for myself and really for everybody else in that gym because the gym was running these like weight loss challenges and mm. they were kind of doing the, the restrictive protocol that I had become so accustomed to. So for me, it was just easy. I'm like, oh yeah, I've been oh, doing 1200 calories. <laughs> I can, I can, I can, I can my do food. this shit. Yeah. Yeah I, yeah. I can avoid carbs for the rest of my life, but like, so but that's I went not down fun. That, it's not, it's not fun. fun. And it's it's and not it's fun. Not sustainable. I just want to throw something like, fuck that shit, man. I did exactly. that. And I'm out on it. Like there's something I want to lean into just real quick before we move on is that something that you said, and I hear you talk about is when you walked into that gym, you felt uncomfortable and too often people think that you can get change without adversity. And that's just not the truth. You have to go into a little bit of an uncomfortable state to get the change that you want. You will never get any change if you don't get a little uncomfortable. It's, it's a literal requirement. And I think that a lot of people, if they would just reframe what discomfort actually is, it is a necessary bridge from where you are 
to where you want to be. There's no way to avoid it. And if you think about that in any context, I'm not just talking about fitness. If you think about your, let's say you're in a relationship that's, that's a toxic relationship and it's not where you want to be and it's not with the person you want to be with, there's no guarantee that the next relationship will be any better or, you know, by leaving that person that your life will magically become better, happier, whatever. So there's a, there's an unknown, there's unpredictable situation that you have to walk into because there's no guarantee, but it has to be the bridge to where you want to go. You have to embrace that uncertainty. Otherwise there's no way around it. So you can either choose comfort, which I always say, if you're in a situation that you don't want to be in and you stay you're choosing certain misery. Like you're certain that that situation is not what you want. So you're avoiding uncertainty to choose certain misery. And there's just, when you break it down like that, you realize that, okay, this might be uncomfortable, but I know that discomfort is inevitable and it is a necessary bridge to get from where I am to where I want to be. So I couldn't agree more on that. And so, you know, when I, at that point, when I was going through this like weight loss challenge, um, I really had a, a pretty bad, I don't want to say it was like a diagnosed eating disorder. My sister, who is a therapist who treats eating disorders, basically told me, um, I think you're orthorexic. I got very defensive at the time. Orthorexia is basically an obsession with clean eating. So like I was meticulous down to, I would not like, I was just so hyper-focused on only quote-unquote clean foods and really just, you know, I had significant body dysmorphia. So as I kept doing these restrictive challenges and my weight got lower and lower, I still was never satisfied with the way I looked. And I'm talking about like my original goal was 200 pounds. I got all the way down to 160 and still wasn't happy with the way that I looked. And probably felt like shit too. Felt like shit. And again, the the patterns and and behaviors that I was, you know, it it impacted my relationships. It impacted, you know, I would I wouldn't want to go out with friends because I knew they would be drinking and eating foods that I, you know, quote unquote, wasn't allowed to eat. So I really, you know, it came with a big cost and I had to dig myself out of that hole when I, I just realized that there had to be a better way. And, and the turning point for me was seeing everybody else in that gym. Like it was one thing for me to be going through it, but to witness so many other people who were going through these challenges, they were losing weight and they were gaining it all back. And then they would sign up for the mm. next challenge and they would lose it. They'd gain it all back and they'd sign up for the next challenge. And nobody was actually getting long-term results. And that just didn't sit well with me. So I became obsessed with learning everything that I possibly could about nutrition. And that's really where I found my passion because I saw that as the biggest hurdle for most people, and myself included, these people were going to the gym consistently, they were training, they were lifting weights, you know, they were showing up, and yet they were just struggling because the nutrition was the biggest roadblock. So I became obsessed with, you know, educating myself and really kind of combine that with my passion for psychology to learn what's going on like upstairs. What's what's really the driver between behavior change and how do we create a process that's sustainable so that when we get those results, we actually maintain them and we enjoy it. So that kind of sparked my, my career in the industry. And it's been a, a long ride. And you know, there's been some, some ups and downs even from that point on. But um, that's, that's kind of the starting point of how I got to where I am now. Man, it's so freaking awesome. And something I want to lean into and talk about real quick is the fact that there's something that you said that I've really found that resonates with me is that you identified a problem, you got educated on that problem, And then you made a decision and you took massive action. It wasn't just this little action. You took fucking massive action and went after it. And the other piece of that that I think is so important is that you, number one, took a thousand foot perspective. And number two, it wasn't only about you anymore. It was about you and everybody else. 
And so often we get caught up in me, 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 me. And when you're so caught up in yourself, number one, you get in your own way. Shit doesn't happen because all you can think about is yourself. You know, when you really decide that you're going to make a change and you go, hey, I'm going to make this change and I'm going to help the people that are around me. I know for me, that's what I found is when I decided like, hey, if I make this change, I can help people that are around me. And I'm finding that to be so true is the more that I lean into that and the more that I help people, other people, the more I want to change even more and the stronger and the better and the smarter I want to get so I can help more people. Yeah. I mean, that, that hits home so much. It's, it's the most rewarding part of the process. It's being able to say like, hey, I've, I've been through this. I went through all of this and, and came out the other side. So now I can help you avoid some of the same mistakes that I make and I can pull you up along the way. Uh, and that's that really being able to uplift people and show them a different path because it's so easy to get caught up in that. Like you talked about, it's like tunnel vision and we're, we've all got our own shit. We've all got our own problems and our own stuff that we're dealing with. So it's easy to get caught up in that. But to have somebody say, you know, I've been there. I know what that's like. And here's the path. And kind of help you figure out your own way because it's going to look different for everybody. But there's certain principles that we can apply across the board. Like you talked about, taking massive action is one of those things and not having it all figured out. When I made that decision, I remember specifically telling my parents, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to make a career coaching nutrition. And I, I remember specifically telling him that I didn't know what that was going to look like. I had no idea what my options were. I didn't know, you know, where I was going to go from there. I just knew this was something that I needed to do and I was going to figure it out regardless. So it was just make the decision and then figure it out. I think oftentimes we delay our action by thinking that things need to be perfect or that we need to have all the answers and that it has to be the perfect timing. All of that is just an excuse to keep you stuck. It's just your, your brain is trying to, to manipulate you to stay comfortable. Like we talked about, we, you know, not, not embracing the discomfort. So those are all just excuses that your brain is throwing out there to keep you comfortable, which like we said, is the surefire way to not get to where you want to be. So I just had to make the decision and then figure it out from there. Yeah, man, it's so true. One of the biggest things lately that I've really learned is that this whole idea behind waiting for perfection to take action versus action leading to perfection. So often people think that this perfect moment is going to come and then they're going to be able to do what they want to do. And it's just not, it's not fucking coming. It's not coming. And the longer you wait, the, the longer you're going to just continue to wait and nothing's going to happen for you because that perfect moment, it's, I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen for you. Yeah, exactly. And there's, there's no such thing as, as perfection. I think it's this, this myth that we grasp onto. And again, it's just a way to delay moving forward. Same thing with procrastinating. You're killing any potential for progress. The only way, like oftentimes people look at successful people and they think, man, they've really got it all figured out. They don't. They just took action and then they figured it out. They, they took a shot. They probably missed a hundred shots before they figured it out, but they just went for it and then figured it out from there. So on the surface, it might look like they've got it all together, but really they went through a whole bunch of trial and error, a whole bunch of failures to figure out what works. And man, I mean, I've made so many mistakes along the way. Like I said, my whole journey, when I look back and reflect on it, it's like a just uh, you know, a whole lecture I could make on all of the stuff that I did wrong just so I could figure out the path for me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and another thing I want to say is that what I'm learning too is that you got to spend the money on yourself. You got to invest in yourself. You got to be willing to make that investment because often people think that they can just do it on their own. And I know 
I never did it on my own until I made the investment in having a coach. It was the accountability. It was like, okay, now I've paid for this. Now I have to do this. I'm learning that when you have skin in the game and money is skin in the game, that's what makes you go, okay, I, I have to do this because I've invested in it. And so if you're on the fence of getting a coach or finding someone to help you through it, like take action, do it because that could be the thing that's been holding you back. And that could be the thing that you needed because you weren't invested. And often people are caught up in the money thing and it's like, well, what is your fitness worth? What is your business worth? What are those things worth? Because you'll buy an iPhone, you'll you know spend hundreds of dollars on televisions and Playstations and vacations, thousands of dollars on these things. What's really important to you, right? And I think that people get so caught up. We get so caught up on our money and you guess let go of it. Let go of it. You know, money is energy. And if you let that money flow through you and the energy flow through you, then great things will come for you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think oftentimes we look at it as the cost and the expense versus the return and the value. So like you talked about, what is your health worth? If you're investing in yourself, uh, what's the return going to be if you notice that you have better relationships because of it, if you have better quality of life because of it, if now you can give more to other people, if you show up better for your family, you know, what are all, how do you put a value on that? Those things are, you know, we often think of just the, you know, out of pocket expense versus what's coming back to me when I make this investment in myself. It overflows into every other area of your life. Truly investing in yourself is is one of the best investments. I, I always heard, I can't remember who said it, but they had this this concept about money and they were like, there's there's A, B, and C investments. Like A investments are things, material things, which you do get some pleasure out of it. So like if I buy uh, a vacation, you know, there, I'm going to get enjoyment out of that week experience. Then there's like the B investment, which is I'm investing in, let's say the stock market or, a, you know, something that's going to return a small interest over time. Like maybe it's a 10% interest and it's just going to, I'm going to ride that out for, for long term. And, you know, you, you can kind of measure what that return is going to be. And then there's the C investments, which are investing in your health, investing in your, you know, your well-being, investing in your education, investing in, you know, mentors and coaches. And now those C level investments are the ones that typically we avoid the most, but they're the most important because they bring the most back to us. You know, you can't put a number on what that brings back to you when you're making that C-level investment, when you're investing in yourself, your health, your education, because the value is so much, it's like, you know, you can't say I 10X my investment. It's probably a lot more than that. If I look at my mentors and coaches, I can't even conceptualize how much more I've gotten out of just the, the dollars that I've spent. So I always thought that that was a good way to conceptualize it. That's a great way to think about it, you know, and the reason I bring it up is because money is, it's a hot, it's a hard topic for a lot of people to talk about. It's really uncomfortable. People get super uncomfortable. They get really this emotional connection to their money, you know? And so the reason I brought it up is because for me, I had an emotional connection to my money. And as I started to let go of that grip, that was a huge game changer for me. And it's amazing. The more I give, the more I return back. And the return back is tenfold or more back. And it's not always more money. It's, you know, it's experience, it's gratitude from other people. It's all these things. And it's like, wow, man, I should have let go of my grip a long time ago. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you talk about, you know, relationships and connection and overall quality of life, it's invaluable. You can't you can't really put a number on it. So I I agree. I think sometimes we we hold on to that and we try to control it. It's a sense of control. Like if I don't spend this money, then I have it, but it's a false sense of control because you will spend it on other things that probably won't give you the same return. So it's not, you know, likely you're going to be spending it on, you know, like you said, iPhones or, you know, PlayStation or whatever the case may be, which, you know, can give you some temporary joy. But if we're talking about long-term quality of life to better yourself, yeah, you just, you know, it's, it's a false sense of control. Letting go uh, will open up a lot of doors. Super awesome. Well, kind of the last thing I want to go through is I want to just talk about my values and I want you to just give me some of the things that you've done to do the things that I'm going to bring up because I know that you do them because you, I, I watch you and I see. And so my values are gratitude, resilience, intuition, and tenacity. So what do you do to have gratitude? Gratitude is something that I teach because, well, again, getting back to my nerdish ways, um, there's a ton of research on what gratitude can do for your quality of life, for your health, for literally like boosting your immune system. There's, there's some cool research on just having a gratitude practice and what that means for overall well-being. So, you know, that's something that I practice daily. I have a gratitude journal. You know, I encourage people to, it can be overdone. So a lot of people think like, well, I have to have this perspective of gratitude like 24 seven. It's just something to remind yourself to, it, it puts things in perspective. And that's really, like I talked about, we've all got our shit. We've all got stuff that we're going through. If you can take a step back and focus your energy and attention on things that you're grateful for, all of a sudden that stuff that was bothering you, uh, like, you know, somebody cut you off in traffic or whatever, like the small things just become less important. You start to put things back into perspective of what truly matters. I agree so much for me. That's why it's my first value is because I found for me 10 minutes in the morning, like if I wake up and I do that 10 minutes in the morning of gratitude, it changes my day. So when I'm not at work, cause work messes stuff up because my 48 hour shift. But when I'm not at work, when I'm at home and I can get up and walk, I get up and walk. I usually get up at like 4.30 and go on my walk at five. And it's awesome because I'm walking east towards the sunrise. And so I get to watch this Colorado beautiful sunrises. I get to watch the sunrise and that's when I do my gratitudes on my walk. And it has been a game changer for sure. Love it. So then resilience. I think it's so important to have resilience. So what do you do to be resilient? Yeah, so it's one of the most important traits and something that I actually created an entire course around. So something that I believe very strongly and again, something that's very well researched. Um, when it comes to resilience, people who are more resilient to stress live better lives. That's like that's consistent in the literature. So what that means is that you need to be able to deal with difficult situations, have the ability to reframe when something appears to be a negative situation. What's interesting is that it's not the situation itself. It's not the problem itself. It's how you view the problem. And that's why two people can go through the exact same event. One person can view it as a negative. The other person can view it as a positive. It's because of the way that they view that that event that happened. So it's not the situation itself. It's how it's our perspective, our perception of the event. So building resilience is being able to, to 
look at a difficult situation and reframe it in a way that can be empowering or, or a way that just allows you to take action and do what needs to be done instead of feeling sorry for yourself. The way to build resilience is to put yourself in challenging situations, is to choose discomfort. For different people, there's different ways to do that. I think that a lot of people now have been practicing like cold showers or like ice bath. That's been an easy way to like, this is an uncomfortable thing. So I'm going to do it. That's a way to build resilience. Um, it doesn't have to be that. Even going through training is a way to build resilience. It's, it's uncomfortable. If you're challenging yourself and you're, you're pushing what you think you're capable of and you're lifting heavy weights, that's a way to build resilience. You're choosing an uncomfortable situation. I think that's also why we've seen the popularity in like obstacle course racing. People kind of gravitate towards those type of things because it's a way to get uncomfortable and prove to yourself that you can do difficult things. So whatever that looks like for you as an individual, find ways to seek discomfort and challenges to build that resilience. The more that you can overcome hardship, the more that you can overcome a difficult situation, you're basically just training your brain to realize that the next time you're faced with a challenge, you can pull from past experiences like, yes, I know that I can do difficult things. So this is no different and I can overcome this obstacle as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the whole reason resilience is one of my, one of my values is because it's what leads to grit. It really does. You don't get grit without resilience. So intuition. So the reason for me that a value of mine is intuition is because I've learned that when I use my intuition, either I step into things a lot quicker than I would have, or I step into things and I mess up and I learn, which is awesome. I learned what not to do. So either way, I found that when I lean into my intuition, it's a win. Yeah. So the intuition is always going to pull you into a direction. The longer that we ignore it, the more that we overthink and the less action that we take. And this is something that you can look at in any context, really. You're going to have this gut feeling of, you know, I should be doing this thing. And then you're going to sit on it. And the more that you sit on it, the more that your brain is. So we kind of have like two brains that we're dealing with. We've got the like logical brain that only cares about survival. So if you allow that side of your brain to take over, it's going to give you all the reasons why you shouldn't do something because it wants you to stay comfortable. It wants to keep you alive. Like if you think about how we evolved, unpredictable situations could literally kill us. That's not the case anymore. Right. So if that logical brain starts to say, well, we don't know what the outcome is. So this could, this could go terribly wrong. And it starts to play out all the worst case scenarios in your mind. You're not going to listen to the to the gut brain, which is like your intuition, which is the, you know, more of just, I have this instinct that I need to be doing this thing. When you have that instinct, you have to pay attention to it. You have to take action. The longer that you delay, the more you're going to overthink, the more that that logical side of your brain is going to convince you that it's not worth moving forward. So, you know, I've, I've really tried to, to practice that tuning in and like being more mindful and understanding like when I feel that pull, there's a reason. And that was something that when I was a nutrition coach and working for another company, I delayed for, for years longer than I should in starting my own business because I would, I would make every excuse as to why I couldn't do it or why it wasn't the right time or how I needed the, the security blanket of the salary I was getting paid, all just excuses, even though my gut was like 
tugging at me every single day. Like, and you knew, you, you already you knew. I knew, I knew. And so I was just delaying because my brain was trying to keep me safe by saying, you know, stay in this comfortable spot. But I was choosing certain misery because I knew that comfortable spot was not serving me and it was not going to get me to where I wanted to be. So it's just a matter of, of paying attention to that instinct and, and honoring it really. Yeah, absolutely. You got to be mindful of it because like you said, if you don't, you're going to miss out on so much opportunity. Like you said, you already knew, you already had the intuition that you were supposed to do your coaching thing. You let fear or whatever it was control you. And then when you finally lean into it, like you're, you're fucking killing it now. I mean, things are, I'm watching you and things are happening at a rapid pace for you and continuing to explosively grow. And my, my assumption is, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you lean harder into your tuition more often these days. Oh yeah. It becomes now it's not even, it's not really much of a tug of war because I've been through that experience and I've seen, you know, I'm able to look back and see what it, you know, sometimes I'm like, man, imagine if I had listened, you know, two years before, where would I be now? But, you know, obviously you can't play that game because we can only right. deal with what's in front of us, but it did give me a lesson. And, you know, when that instinct is strong, you just got to go. Well, and your greatest weaknesses will become your greatest strengths because the weaknesses that we had in the past are what our strengths are now because that's what we learn from and that's what we know and that's what we understand. So for me, I always say like, I would not change anything about my past because yes, I may have been in a different place, but I'm in the place that I'm supposed to be because of the things that have happened in the past. And I'm stoked about that. And I'm living every day to the fullest and I'm going to kick ass and take names everywhere I can, you know? Um, yeah, so my yeah, last yeah. one is tenacity. So how do, you, how do you show tenacity? Yeah, so I think for me, it's, it's a necessary part of the industry that I'm in. There's a lot of... Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, I, I'm very open about my displeasure of the diet industry in general and the just boatloads of misinformation that is put out there and fear-mongering and just making people feel inadequate. I prefer and just feel like coming from a place of empowerment and, and lifting people up and telling them that you're doing this because you're worthy, because you should love yourself now and, and want to be the best version of you, not to make people feel inadequate and, and almost like, you know, make them feel like they have to change because they're not good enough. So I'm, I'm very open about that. And, and the diet industry is a $80 billion well-funded beast that will not stop marketing and putting out those type of messages. So for me, it's like I have to come in with a level of urgency and tenacity to not give up like my my vision, my ultimate goal, like I want to disrupt the diet industry altogether. I want to kind of flip it on its head. I want to destroy all of like the the shitty marketing that's out there and the the lies and the manipulation. And that's not going to happen if I'm just sitting on my hands and twiddling my thumbs and, you know, not getting tenacious in my approach. So um, there's times where, you know, there's times where I have to be controversial. There's times where I have to say shit that might rub people the wrong way and risk. And that's losing. okay. And that's okay. And risk losing followers. And you know what? That That's fine. Like I, I have to approach it with, with a chip on my shoulder. And I truly do because again, I've witnessed it. I experienced it myself and witnessed it in other people. And I'm not okay with that damage being done. So I'm on a mission to repair the damage that has been done and try to help pave the way for, for a new solution that's much more rewarding. So that is, you know, for me, I don't see that there's any other way to do it. I have to approach it with, with tenacity and urgency. And sometimes it does get me caught in a spot where I don't take any breaks and I just, you know, I've got my foot on the gas and I have the tendency to burn out on occasion, but I know that comes with the territory. I'm willing to grind now and make a meaningful change. And, you know, there's, 
yes, I do need to have boundaries and I do need to recharge and, and recover, but um, I'm still going to approach, you know, every day with that level of urgency. I love that, man. I love that so much. And one thing I want to say right now to my listeners, the people who are listening and the people that follow you, if they end up listening is stop fucking listening to all the bullshit diets and figure out what works for you. Like stop doing it. Stop looking at, you know, I don't know if you saw my post the other day, but I went and got photos done after my, my first round of 75 hard and I looked super lean, but that's not the way I look all the time. Right. And so we have this thing where we see the diet industry is showing six packs and all this shit and low carb and vegan and, 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 and like, stop doing that. You got to find what's best for you. You got to lean into and really stop looking at all the noise and find somebody like yourself. You know, if if you don't have a coach, hit up the pop family and get someone who is going to help you find you and what will work for you and stop listening to all the bullshit. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Speaking of like controversial topics, I'm just going to throw it out there. But there was a there was a doctor who was on a very well known podcast. He was on there yesterday. I think it was aired yesterday. And I'm talking about a podcast that has millions and millions of downloads, probably on a on a weekly, if not, you know, probably monthly basis, but one of the most well known podcasts out there. And he had a doctor who was basically saying that fruit is worse for you than candy and that giving your kids grapes is like feeding them candy bars. And that's the shit that people hear on a daily basis that makes them more confused. And that's the shit that drives me nuts that why I have to have a chip on my shoulder because there's people that have a platform that are saying this nonsense that just makes people more confused. And then there, of course, he's selling, you know, a book on the back end of that to be like, Oh, here's your solution. Right. So um, for 29 95 and he's going to sell 3 million copies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's the stuff that, uh, that drives me nuts, man. I couldn't agree more. Well, Mike, man, I really appreciate this conversation. I've really enjoyed it. You're such a smart dude. You got fire inside of you. Keep doing what you're doing. I can't wait to see how far and uh, long you're going to stretch and the people you're going to reach. I can see that you've got that tenacity that you're just going to kill it, man. How can people find you if they're looking for a coach? Where is the best avenues to connect with you? Yeah, for sure. I appreciate that. Um, Always enjoy these conversations. So you can connect with me on Instagram. It's at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. If you want to find out more about like what our coaching is all about, uh, you can go to neurotypetraining.com slash apply. Um, and just read kind of what our philosophy is like. And then if you want to check out more about like my whole stance on on fitness and nutrition and mindset, you can check out my book. It's called The Personality Diet. Uh, you can grab a copy on Amazon or you could grab the uh, audio book, which is at thepersonalitydietbook.com slash audiobook. I can tell you, I read that book and it's a good book. So get on there, read it, follow Mike. He's got all kinds of awesome stuff that he, you know, you give a lot of free content And so follow him. He has got some fire and I promise you, you will enjoy following him. So again, appreciate it, Mike, and can't wait to talk again soon. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. You've been listening to Building Grit, one call at a time. Everyone faces challenges and we talk to people who use grit to be triumphant. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show and we hope you had some fun along the way. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with Nick on Facebook at Nick Wingo and on Instagram at building underscore grit. And remember, victory is always possible for the person who refuses to stop fighting. This is Building Grit One Call at a Time, signing off.